as I said earlier, every once in a while, um, the preacher preaches for himself. Um, uh, particularly this time of year, um, I have to preach John chapter 6. Some of you have heard me preach John chapter 6 before. It's usually around the middle of June when everybody starts to leave. And uh, I, need, I need to be reminded of how awesome and faithful and good and mighty uh, Jesus Christ is. So I always love to go to John chapter 6. So, you know, this is for me. Uh, yeah, today I deleted uh, Bill and Jen's phone numbers from my cell phone. This is a, a yearly ritual for me. Some of you will be leaving. I, I won't delete yours, Sarah, because I think you're going to be back. I guess I'll be deleting John's. Uh, Gary will come back, Lord willing. Uh, but when you're an international pastor, this is how, this is how it works. So I'm going to preach for me, but unless you're really super spiritual, I got a hunch. I really got a hunch that God has something to say to you. As well, a couple years ago, there was a, a book came out that, that that gained quite a lot of popularity. It's uh, the Prayer of Jabez by Bruce Wilkerson, and there was a great illustration in that book, and I I never forgot that illustration. Uh, Bruce took his uh, Bruce and Darlene took their young son. He's five years old, Bruce Jr. to a park, and you know he said it was one of those those parks that had everything. It made you want to be a kid again. And right in the middle of this park was was uh, three ladders. One was uh, pardon me, three, three slides. One was very small, one was medium size, and one was huge. Well, you know what, Bruce Jr., Bruce Jr. went right to uh, the small slide, and boom, down, down, and he just made the cycle many, many times. Then he started to look at uh, the medium slide, and he's watching the older kids go down that medium slide, right? And he started up, he started up one time, and he froze, and he went back down. Of course, his dad is watching him from afar, and... Uh, he gets, he gets his courage up and he finally goes up that medium, uh, that medium ladder and he goes down that slide and boom, he just goes down over and over and over again. Well, you know what he wants to do next, right? He wants to go down that huge slide. And he watched the older kids do it. He watched them and he watched them and he watched them and he finally decided he thought he could do it and he got, he got about a third of the way up the ladder and you know what happens, right? He froze. He froze. He got about halfway up and he froze and he cried out daddy will you come slide with me I can't do it without you daddy it's too big for me and Bruce senior rushed over to help his son now Bruce junior reminds me of someone does he remind you of anyone he reminds me of me trying to walk with Jesus he reminds me of me. Maybe you can relate. Every Christian who, has, who is really walking with Christ has looked up that ladder. Every single one desiring to go but knowing full well they cannot go where Jesus is calling them to genuinely go without His help. We cannot do it on our own. If we've been Christians very long, if we've gone very far into obedience, we understand this. We cannot do it in the flesh. We cannot do it on our own. Seven years ago, Karen and I came to Milan uh, to replant this, this dead church, and I, I soon learned we have a, a loose association with the international convention, and I get their prayer letter, 
and, and I'm, I still get their prayer letter. It's been six years. And there's still like eight to 12 pulpits, international pulpits, empty in major European cities. I can remember when I first got here, I thought, how come there aren't 150 guys lined up to get into those pulpits and to preach the gospel? Well, I know now why there aren't 150 guys lined up to get in those pulpits. It's your fault. Now, we're, we're blessed right now. We have some, we have some Italians uh, in the church who actually live in Milan. It's awesome. We have, we have some others who are here long term, and it's a real blessing. But most of you come and go. Most of you just come and go. You just pass through, right? And it's your fault. Because those pastors in those churches can't take the emotional toll of watching you go through all the time. You guys have stood and watched a parade, right? You stand still and everybody else goes by. They come into your life, you fall in love with them, they leave. They never call, they never write. <laughs> That's not entirely true. We have people who do call and people who do write. We even have people who have left this church years ago and they still contribute financially to this church. And that's a real blessing. It's a real blessing to us. You have to have that kind of thing when you're turning your church over a third to a half every year. And that's what happened last year. We turned over 50% of our people. The year before, a third of our people. This year, I think, again, probably another 50%. But I... I, I it's like a pastor said, it's like pastoring a parade. And I have, this time of year, I always have parade fatigue. I get tired of watching you go by and wave and leave and not come back. It's hard for Karen and I. It, it takes a huge emotional toll. So it's not, yeah, it is kind of your fault that I'm preaching John chapter 6. So you have to bear with me, okay? But you guys come. I know you come as students. You come as, as you're following your career. You come, you're, you're doing what the Lord has led you to do, and you, you come and worship Jesus Christ with us. You serve here, you give here, and Karen and I fall in love with you here. And then, inevitably, you go. Some of you, some of you come face to face with the living God at ICM, and you're changed forever. And that's really why we're here. You know, we, we know we're never probably going to build a huge church. That's in God's hands. You know, He could send a great awakening, and we could be over, we could just be flooded with people who, who want to repent of their sins and come to Christ. That could always happen. We're always praying for that. We're always praying for that. But some have come, and they've been changed by the Word of God. And that's what we live for. That's what we love. We know we're not here to build a church. We're here, here to build the church. As you guys leave and you go back out stronger, more in love with Christ, uh, more determined to obey Him with glad, reckless joy, that's a great blessing for us. It's a great blessing for us. So... Um, when you internationals, you, you leave and break our hearts, that's our big slide. That's our big slide. We have to look up that ladder every June. Every June, when a quarter to one half of you leave, and we have to look up that big slide. It's not that, you know, we live in a foreign culture, and the Italian, oh, I took 20 hours of Italian classes this week. Oh, oh, my brain really, really hurts. But it's such a beautiful language, right, Max? Maybe one day. Keep praying for me, friend.
Keep praying for me, friend. But it's not that we live in a foreign culture or that we're away from our, our friends and family back in the States. Or we miss our grandchildren and our, our children. It's not that we uh, are always dealing with great diversity, which I want to say I love. I love that diversity. I don't think I could ever go back to the States. I would miss the diversity. I love worshiping Jesus with you people. I love worshiping Him with people from Asia and Africa and Europe and South America and the U.S. and all coming together loving Christ. I love that with all my heart. I don't know if I could ever give it up. I don't know if I could ever give it up. And not that this, this will always be a huge financial challenge. Always. And not that we are in the midst of this great spiritual darkness that envelops Italy. It's not all those things that make it hard. It's that you come, we fall in love with you, and you leave. So every year about this time, I need to go to John chapter 6. Jesus is teaching His people in John chapter 6. I'm all you need. I'm always the answer. I'm the answer to every question. He looks to Philip and He says, How are we going to feed this multitude? What's the answer to the question? You. Jesus. You. So, yeah, I need to... I'm looking up my big slide right about June. Karen and I were looking up that big slide. And there's this huge emotional toll. And I'm saying, Daddy, this is too big for me. This is too big for us. I'm like Bruce Jr. We need our Father's help. And oh, guess what? He always comes. And He always provides and so, beloved, as I, as I take us through, uh, as the Lord takes us through John chapter 6, I want, to, I want to challenge you. Whatever your big ladder is, whatever your big slide is in your life, your life of obedience to Christ. Now, I'm not talking about just common everyday trials that everyone has. I'm talking about those trials that are in your life specifically because you love Christ and you're obeying Christ and you're following Christ. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So whatever your circumstance, your question, your dilemma, your problem is, He is the answer. He's always the answer. He's never not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. So when Karen and I have to look up that big ladder in June every year, every year we have to look up that big ladder, we know who the answer is. It's Jesus. We don't have confidence in our congregation we love our congregation. We love you guys. But our confidence is not in the size of our congregation because you will soon be leaving. Our confidence is in Christ. And I love, I love how Jesus puts this on display for everyone with the eyes to see and the ears to hear. How He puts this on display in John chapter 6. Beloved, if you've walked with Jesus very long, you already know this. He's always going to take you what? To the small slide where it's easy. And you can just do it in your own strength. Right? Wrong. Deanne knows. He's always going to take you to the big slide. Every time. God takes His people to the big slide. Always. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Here in John chapter 6, Jesus is going to feed five thousand people plus we'll talk about that too uh, and this is recorded in all four gospels you think god wants us to hear what jesus has to say to us i think so 
It's in all four Gospels. And yes, the preeminent message here, Jesus is the bread of life. He is our, our spiritual life. He's our spiritual bread. He is our soul food. He is eternal life. That is the preeminent message. But there's some beautiful uh, uh, messages that circle around this paramount truth that I want to talk about tonight. Jesus fed 10 to 15, some scholars believe up to 20,000 people, including women and children, with five biscuits and two fish. That's how awesome our God is. The first thing we see here in the text is that Jesus is without question the Creator God, right? He is the Creator God. We talked about it about a month ago. Uh, Colossians 1.16, we were created by Him and for Him. We talk about it all the time. That's why we exist. That's why we're walking the planet. It's about Christ. It's about Him. We were created by Him and for Him. And Jesus just creates ex nihilo. It's the Latin. You know what it means. Out of nothing, He just creates barley. He creates barley loaves from barley that never grew. He distributes fish from fish that never swam. He is the Creator God. He does, he does whatever He pleases, amen? He does whatever He pleases. I will accomplish all my good pleasure, I am, says. And God has, God has compassion on the crowd and He breaks the bread and He breaks the fish and He feeds possibly up to 20,000 people with five biscuits and two Loves. Jesus is simply creating provision here where there was none. I won't read the whole text. You heard Rennell read it. But let me just, uh, from, the, from the other Gospels, we know this about where Jesus and the disciples are. Jesus has just heard that John the Baptist has been beheaded. The disciples have just returned from their first preaching tour. Uh, uh, Jesus has desired a time of rest and to get away with his men but the multitudes are pressing in on him they are following him and despite the fact that in his omniscience he knows most of these people will reject him the very next day despite the fact that the disciples are encouraging him to uh, send the people away despite the fact that they're all bone tired and weary needing some rest Matthew tells us that Jesus felt compassion for the multitude and in the other Gospels, actually you'll see it, Jesus turns to His disciples and He says, you give them something to eat. Of course, what's the answer to that? <laughs> but I love, I love the way the Holy Spirit says it in uh, John chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus turns to Philip and He says, where are we to buy bread that these may eat? I love that. Where are we going to do it? God never doesn't pull His people up into what He's doing, you know? And beloved, if, you're not, if you haven't been pulled up into the church and you haven't been pulled up into being used of God, something's not right. You're supposed to be using your gift in this church. And you're supposed to be encouraging and, and uh, yeah, coming alongside people. And whatever your gift is, go, go to work. You'll find it. If you'll roll up your sleeves, you'll find your gift. But God always pulls His people up into what He's doing. He says, hey, where are we going to buy the bread? Now, Philip is a small issue to this, right? Jesus is going to bring all the power. But He includes His people. I love that. I love that. 
He always includes, He doesn't need us, but He includes us. Did you notice? Jesus asked one question, where are we going to buy the bread? Did you notice that in verse 7, Philip answered a different question? He didn't even answer the right question. What does Philip say? Philip tells, tells him how much it's going to cost. That's not what God said. God didn't say how much is it going to cost. God said, where are we going to get the bread? What's the answer? You. You. Beloved, if you're a Christian and you're walking with the Lord... <laughs> Man, you should be bumping up against this reality a lot. You, you can't do it on your own. You can't, you're really going to go with Jesus. You can't do it on your own. And He must be the answer. He must be the answer. Jesus says, where are we going to get the bread? And Philip, what does Philip do? He's like you and he's like me. He starts calculating, right? He starts crunching the numbers on it. This is impossible, he says. God didn't say how much is it going to cost. God is challenging Philip to look at him. But Philip's crunching the numbers. Verse 6, look what it says. Why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus do this? Someone tell me from the text. He's testing Philip. And beloved, if you're a Christian tonight, just mark it down. God's going to test your faith. He's going to test your faith. Is it genuine? Do you really believe Him when it gets hard? Are you going to shrink back? Are you going to start crunching the numbers on this impossible thing He's called you to do? Are you going to look up that big ladder and just walk away? Are you going to do what Bruce Jr. did? What did Bruce Jr. do? Daddy! That's where the Christian's supposed to be. Daddy, I can't do this with Come help me. Daddy, God has always tested the faith of His children. You remember Abraham. It actually says it in the text. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. It was a test. Sacrifice your son Isaac. Abraham trusted and obeyed. And oh, guess what? There was a ram in the bush. And I love it. I had a brother in the church a couple years ago. You know, he came to me. He says, Jim, there'll always be a ram in the bush. And I never forgot he said that to me, you know. He said, Jim, and this is what Karen and I know about the Lord. We know we've been here six years. We know there'll always be a ram in the bush. There will be a ram in the bush in September. No matter how many people leave, God's going to bring some new people in. There'll always be a ram in the bush. God was faithful to Abraham. You remember, God called Moses to take out two million Hebrews, bring them up to the promised land. It was impossible. But Moses trusted and obeyed, and the Lord worked through him to accomplish it. One of my favorite accounts in all the Bible. You remember Gideon. God called Gideon to, to march down to this well-armed army with nothing but torches and pitchers, uh, pitchers and, and trumpets. It was a test of trust. They were outnumbered 450 to 1. And God routed the enemy. You remember that great story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's one of my favorite. King Jehoshaphat, he was hopelessly outnumbered. And he cried out to God. Do you remember the story? If you don't know this account, you need to go read it. Jehoshaphat cried out to God. You remember what God said to him? The battle is not yours. Whose battle is it? He says, it's mine. He, he says, stand and see my salvation. 
And you remember, Jehoshaphat, they all went out and they just faced the enemy. They just went out there and they stood before the enemy and they sang the praises of God. And God routed. God routed the enemy army. And you remember? This is what God always does. He turned the trial into the blessing. Jehoshaphat's people, they, they had three, they, it took them three days to gather in the spoils. They cried out to God. And God answered. God never doesn't answer His people. Beloved, if you're a Christian, God is going to give you a test of trust. He's going to bring you to the big slide. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to shrink back or am I going to cry out to my Father and just keep going? And just keep going. Will you trust the Lord and obey the Lord when it gets hard, Christian friend? I'm not talking about sitting in the church. I'm talking about out in the world when it's really hard, everything's on the line. Will you believe? And will you trust? I love what John MacArthur says about me so often, maybe you sometimes. MacArthur says we tend to assign our own feebleness to God. Amen? God calls us to do a hard thing and immediately we look in the mirror. Right? I can't do it. That's not the right answer. Jesus can do it. It's not about me and my reflection in the mirror. I'm not supposed to be looking in the mirror. I'm supposed to be looking at Jesus. Beloved, this is why He'll always bring you to the big slide. He'll always bring you to the big slide. And I want to say something. You guys know this. The big slide, it's a God encounter. <laughs> we talked a lot about this in James when we saw these, these uh, Christians uh, in their trials. God comes in a new and powerful way. When His people are in the trial, when His people are in the test, God comes. God comes in an awesome and beautiful way. You guys know this. We're not supposed to be looking in the mirror. We're supposed to be looking at Jesus. And Jesus equals the unbelievable and the inexplicable and the miraculous. God will always lead us to the big slide. The one that we can't go down by ourselves. And if we're smart, like Bruce Jr., we'll do what he did. We'll cry out, Abba, Father, I can't do this without you. Abba, Father, come. Oh, I didn't tell you the end of the story. The end of the story, you know, Bruce Jr. says, Daddy, I can't do this without you. It's too big for me. And, uh, Bruce Sr., he climbs up that ladder and he, he grabs his son and he puts his son between his legs and, and, and they go sliding down that, that, uh, that slide. And here's my favorite part, laughing all the way. <laughs> That's how it is with Christians. I'm not saying we don't have hard times. That's not what I'm saying. Don't, I'm not saying we don't cry. Don't hear me say that. But I'm saying God is faithful. And you'll have no blessing like, like, like the blessing of putting yourself out there in faith and watching God personally come and rescue you and be faithful to the promise that He's made. It's addicting. I love it. I have a long way to go. But God is progressively teaching me just trusting. And He never doesn't show up. He always shows up. One thing... Uh, you and I need to never forget that God will always stretch your faith. He'll always bring you to that place that will exhaust every resource you have. And He will require that you fall on Him. I love what Piper said one time. He says, the Lord will allow you to totter to see if you will fall on Him. I love that. 
I love that, to see if we will fall on Him. So, yeah, and I think you know this. Some of you have experienced this. When you come to that test of trust and you believe and obey, what comes? What comes? The pleasure of God comes. The pleasure of God will come into your life. Not only does God come, He brings His people's pleasure in His right hand. We learn this in John chapter 11, one of the many things we learn in John chapter 7. So just watch the disciples here. Man, they're in for a ride today. God is not only going to fill their stomachs, He's going to fill their hearts with His godness. They're going to be in awe. And beloved, when you really, <laughs> when you really believe and you really obey, God comes and He brings His joy, His people's joy. You know, obedience is always for His glory and for your joy. You know, if you get that in your head, you'll not shrink back from obedience. You realize it's for the glory of my Father and it's for my joy. You won't shrink back from obedience if you get that into your mind. So the Lord brings us to these great tests of trust and it is always a God encounter. Abraham had a God encounter. Moses had a God encounter. Gideon had a God encounter. Jehoshaphat had a God encounter. And beloved, if you believe and obey the Lord, you will have a God encounter in the midst of your trial, in the midst of the impossible thing, as you obey the Lord, you'll have a God encounter. That's what a big slide is all about. <laughs> it's about a God encounter. And so when you guys leave ICM, we understand God's sovereignty. Karen and I know it's for His glory, for your joy, and ultimately for our own joy. It makes us cry. It's okay to cry and still have complete faith and joy in all that God is doing. We know He's always doing the perfect thing. He's always doing the good thing. You know, one of the good things about you guys passing through like you do, I'll just say personally for Karen and I, is that, again, as I said earlier, we can't really trust in you. We only have one person to trust in. There is no security in this congregation. And it's not your fault. But I love that because I can't say, well, I've got the, the package and the congregation, we're so big, we've got a good budget, yada, yada. I can't say all that because it could be gone in a month or two. I have to look at God. And, and I will say it's a great blessing for Karen and I. It is a great blessing for us to do that. Sometimes we cry as Christians. And I, I just got to share with you that great line. Some of you know this song, Twyla Paris. Uh, she has this song entitled, Do I Trust You, Lord? How many of you have ever heard this song? Do I Trust You, Lord? And there's a beautiful line in the song. She says, I will trust you. What, Karen? Even when I must cry. I love that. I will trust You, Lord. I will believe You, Lord. I will obey You, Lord. Even, even when I must cry. Back to Philip. He's about to have one of those thrilling days. He's about to be exposed to the godness of Jesus. He's about to have a breathtaking God encounter. There in uh, verse 7, Philip answers the, the Lord and he says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient. This is seven or eight months wages. He said, that's not sufficient. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, he finds this little kid. This kid's got... Uh, five biscuits or loaves and two fish. But Andrew says, well, what is that? You know, Philip, uh, Philip does the math. He crunches the numbers and it does not look good. And Andrew finds a boy. But it's just such a paltry provision compared to 
the need. So Philip looks at the situation. He says it's impossible. It will take too much. Andrew looks at the situation. He says it's impossible. We have too little. Philip looked at the crowd and said it was impossible. Andrew looked at the provision and said it was impossible. They are assigning their own feebleness to God. Beloved, are you guilty of doing that in your own life? Are you assigning your own limitations, your own feebleness to the Almighty God who effortlessly spoke 50 plus billion galaxies into existence? Are you, Beloved, don't ever shrink back when you know God's calling you to a thing. He is sufficient to bring you through. So what are Philip and Andrew doing wrong? They're looking in the mirror. Jesus wants them to look at Him. Jesus wants them to look at Him. Let me ask you, beloved, is your Christianity, is your spiritual life, is, is it stuck on the small slide? Are you on that small slide where you can just get up every morning and you just do it automatically? There's, there's no great pressure. There's no great crying out to God. There's, there's no great need for faith. It's just automatic. I can do this. I've got my life under control. I can manage this. <laughs> Beloved, I say this to you all the time. You're not called to some small manageable life. God did not redeem you for the small slide. Amen? If you don't hear me say anything else, you remember that. God has not redeemed His people to stay on the small slide and just do what's Doable, comfortable, whatever's manageable. That's not what He's redeemed us for. He's redeemed us for the big slide. And he's redeemed us for those perpetual God encounters that only happen on the big slide. So, beloved, if you're fixed on, fixated on the obstacle, you're looking at the wrong thing, God means for you to be looking at Him. Philip says it's impossible. It will take too much. Wrong. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Wrong. Philip, wrong. Wrong, Jim Albright. Wrong. Jesus is God. Nothing is too big for Jesus to accomplish in our life, in our church, in Milan, in Italy, in Europe, in the world. Nothing is too big for God to accomplish. Andrew says, it's impossible, we have too little. Wrong! Jesus is God. It doesn't matter how little you have, He can do an awesome thing. He can do a mighty thing with it. Amen? Amen. He's God. He will accomplish all His good pleasure. And you've got to love this little kid, right? This is a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. He's got five biscuits and two fish. It's a joke. unless you bring it to Christ. And then it's not a joke anymore. It's not a joke anymore. Because God takes little bitty, insignificant things and He does God-sized stuff with it. And you've got to love this text. This little boy, this little kid, I don't know. <laughs> it's a joke, but not in God's hands. Not in God's hands. God always works like this. This is how God works. He's going to bring you to the, to the big slide. Your resources are, are not going to be enough. And what is, the answer? what is the answer to that problem? Jesus is the answer. He's always the answer. Don't ever forget that He is 
The answer, let me ask you, beloved, have you ever trusted God like that, where it was just a train wreck? If God doesn't show up, it's a train wreck. Have you ever trusted God like that? God is faithful. He is faithful. Verse 10. I love verse 10. Jesus says, have the people sit down. <laughs> and I'm thinking what the disciples are thinking when he says that. I know Philip's going, oops, wrong answer. And I know Andrew's going, oops, wrong answer. I think they're thinking, we should have known. It's going to be one of those uh, water into wine things. And I think they're getting butterflies. You ever get butterflies in your stomach about the Lord? I do. I sit, in, I sit behind my desk sometimes and I crunch the numbers on the International Church of Milan. And I go, we're a joke. In the eyes of the world, and even in the eyes of Milan, even in the eyes of Milano Tre, even in the eyes of this religious center, we're a joke. But we're not a joke to God. God loves to work through the humble, through the small, through the weak. Not many mighty, not many noble, not many, what was the other one? I forgot. Strong. God loves to work through the weak. Jesus says, have the people sit down. <laughs> And I think immediately disciples knew, oh, we're about to see a God thing. We're going to see a God thing here. And did you notice that, I want to point this out to you, that Jesus uses, uh, although the faith of the disciples, are, it's, it's weak, but they, they obeyed and God uses them in this miracle. If you read the other Gospels, you see it, it uh, specifically says that the food is distributed through the hands of the disciples. Through the hands of the disciples. Beloved, there's a great truth for us here. When your faith is weak, you just do what Jesus says. Just do the very next small thing that Jesus says. You know, whatever that is, just obey. When it looks hard, just, do, just obey in the small things. Just obey what He says. And the next thing you know, you're going to be laughing all the way down the big slide. And that's what these guys, they're on this ride uh, there by the sea. They're on this ride with the Lord. They're going to be laughing all the way down on this big slide. Philip said it was impossible. Andrew said it was impossible. Wrong. Jesus took five biscuits and two fish and He fed possibly up to 20,000 people. Look at verse 11 through 13. As you notice it, while Jesus provided the food uh, for, the, for the multitude, again, He worked through His disciples. Beloved, He's going to work through you in the church. He's going to work through you in the world. He's going to work through you at work. That's what you're here to do. To offer yourself up to be used by the Master. He brings all the power. He brings all the provision, all the resource. We just do what He says. We just offer up simple obedience. And I love that. I absolutely love it. Yeah, Philip says it's impossible. Andrew says it's impossible. Jesus fed 20,000 people with five biscuits and two fish. Verse 11, they all had as much as they wanted. Verse 12, they were all filled. Verse 13, they gathered up 12 baskets of leftovers. What's that about? What's the leftovers about? What could that possibly be about? He's more than enough. Does your provision look small just now? He's God. <laughs> 50 billion galaxies. Boom. Effortless. Your Father's the King. Does your provision look small? Stay on Christ. Believe Christ. 
going up the big ladder. Going up. And cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I need your help. He will come. He will come. He never doesn't come. So every year about this time, I need to preach John chapter 6. I need to remember how beautifully awesome my God is. And so I, I can make it through into the fall. We'll just, be, we'll just be looking at the Lord Jesus and trusting in what He wants to do here, not what Jim wants to do or anyone else or the elders want to do, but what God wants to do. So every uh, year about this time, Jesus turns to me and He says, Jim, how are we going to do it for another year? And I'm like, I think it's Ezekiel. I don't know, Lord, but I know you know. I don't know, but I, I know you know. And beloved, this is how the Lord wants us to live. Not to be afraid of the big slide, but whatever your big slide is, whatever God's called you to do, the big thing God's called you to do. Maybe it's a small thing. Maybe you just need to obey Him in the small thing. I exhort you. Don't compromise anymore. When you walk out of here, Obey Him in whatever He puts in front of you. And soon enough, you'll be laughing all the way down the big slide with your Father. We've said it a million times from this pulpit. God expects His people to live by faith. How is God pleased? Someone tell me. How do we please God? Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please me, the Lord says. You can't please me without faith. For he who comes to me must believe that I am and he must believe that I am good for my word. I reward my people. How many of you are living like you believe God is a rewarder? You know, it comes down to this a lot. I talk to a lot of people. It comes down to this. People believe that he is. They'll acknowledge that he exists. But when it gets hard, they're really afraid he's not going to show up. <laughs> they really are. They're really afraid that He will not show up. And they won't take a risk on whatever God's calling them to do. They won't, they won't step out. Beloved, step out. Step out soon enough, I promise. You're going to be going down the big slide laughing all the way. I love how Eugene Peterson, and I'm about done. I know it's hot. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases Hebrews 11.6. He says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that He exists, and here's the part I want to say to you, and that He cares enough to respond. Do you believe? Do you believe God's going to leave you in a lurch? Do you believe He's going to leave you standing there empty-handed? Do you believe God's not going to come to you? Beloved, you haven't learned God correctly if you believe those things. You've not learned God correctly uh, if you believe those things. Yes, Jesus uh, cares enough to respond. And I'm going to go back and revisit Abraham just for a moment when I, as I close. Abraham, uh, what does Abraham call God there in Genesis chapter 22 when, when the ram is in the bush? Anybody remember? What is, what is God? Jehovah Jireh. What does Jehovah Jireh mean? The Lord will provide. I know I share this with you all the time. But beloved, if you, get to the, if you get that in your head that God will provide, you'll not shrink back from any obedience, uh, any challenge of obedience in your whole life. If you get the whole God is, God is a rewarder in your mind, in your heart, you're not going to shrink back. You're not going to shrink back. He is Jehovah Jireh. Abraham believed and acted. Jehovah Jireh. Moses believed and acted. Jehovah Jireh. 
Gideon believed and acted. Jehovah Jireh. Jehoshaphat believed and acted. Jehovah Jireh. And I love my favorite rendering of the Hebrew into English is God will see to it. God says, hey, you just come with me. You just follow me. You just do what I say. You just be a doer of the word. You just do that. And I'll see to the rest. This is what God says. He says it all the way through the Bible. I'll see to the rest. I'll see to it. So, beloved, doesn't matter what the question is. Jesus is the answer. Whatever your test of trust is just now, no matter how impossible it looks, I exhort you to believe and to act. Jehovah Jireh will see to it. It will be for His glory and it will be for your joy. Let me ask you, do you believe it? If you nod your head, you believe it, then I challenge you to go live it. Don't nod your head, you believe it. And, and not go out there and live it. So I exhort you as your pastor lovingly. Uh, you believe Jehovah Jireh will see to it. Then you go live it. You're not redeemed for the small slide. You are redeemed for God encounters on the big slide. That was all for me. That was all for me. Maybe the Lord said something to you too. But I needed it. I need to just look at Jesus and be in awe of who He is and what He does in the lives of His people. Let's pray together. Beautiful, 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 awesome, faithful God. Forgive us. Forgive me for living it small, being afraid, shrinking back, crunching the numbers, doubting, wandering, wringing my hands. Forgive me, great God. For you are the great creator God. You speak and universes jump to attention. Oh Lord, forgive me, forgive maybe many in here that we've been stuck on that small slide. It's just easy there. I don't have to pray. I don't have to believe. Yeah, I just get up every day and I can just do this. I can do this in my flesh. Forgive us, Lord. If we've gotten stuck on the small slide, we know what you've called us to do. We know You've called us to live huge lives of faith. Huge lives of faith. Hebrews 11 lives. Forgive us, Father. I pray that Your Spirit will convict us and I pray Your Spirit will embolden us. That we will look to Jesus. We won't be afraid. We'll look to Jesus. Trusting in who He is and His sufficiency and His power and His great love and uh, faithfulness to His people. We praise You, awesome God. What a privilege to know You. What a privilege to serve You. What a privilege to lay our lives down for You. There is no God beside You. You and You alone are worthy to be praised and to be honored and to be lived for and to be obeyed. Great God, we love You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.